0: out of game episode 21 in today's episode we discuss social deduction fatigue in the party game renaissance induct some new games into the out of game hall of fame and explore the difference between cutthroat games versus kingmaker games this is your host ryan join me chris and tim as we go out of game Welcome to episode 21, 21 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we're still a podcast about board games. Board games. On most occasions. In this episode, we go back to an, a discussion topic that we've had on our list of topics since day one of the podcast. That topic is what, Chris? Cutthroat and Kingmaker. Yeah. And you might be asking yourself the same thing I'm asking myself. What is Chris talking about? We're going to find out. Find out all about that. In the the episode. Because, you know, until about an hour ago, I didn't even know. Even though we've talked about it multiple times. (laughs) But before we jump into that, let's enter the spawn point. Spawn point. So, who's going to start us off? Well,
1: you know, honestly, I can't stop thinking about Between Two Cities. Really? Game. I've I've been thinking about that game a lot. It's not that I loved it or that I hated it. It's that game has an interesting mechanic. But the thing is I can't decide what I think of it. Okay. That that mechanic it's been kind of riddling my head with is it is it brilliant or is it stupid? Working with your
0: neighbor. Is that the mechanic you're talking about? Not just
1: the working with your neighbor. It's the concept of working with your neighbors to your right and left and having your lowest score be your score. Gotcha. So if you want, you can explain a little about the game.
0: Yeah, so, so Between Two Cities, I actually... This was a targeted game. What I mean by that is I bought this for a specific purpose for our game nights, and that was as an alternative game to play to Seven Wonders. So Seven Wonders is a game that we typically play when we have... A half hour, and we have seven people, and we want to play something. And there aren't a lot of games that can fulfill that requirement. Bang! Well, let me rephrase. There aren't a lot of good (laughs) games that can fulfill that requirement. So so between two cities, that's the reason I bought it. And what you do in this game is you're building a four-by-four city on your left and right using square tiles. Each of the tiles has, like, a special ability... That, you know, when you play multiples of that type of tile, it gets, they score different in different ways. And it's all about where you're laying them down, like the pattern or the amount in your city. But what's interesting is you're building a city on your left between you and the person on your left. And you're building another one on your right between you and the person on your right. and Cooperatively. You, cooperatively, yeah. So you draft tiles and then you and, and you, with the person on your left, you put, you both put those two tiles down in the left city. And then, like Chris said, at the end of the game, the city, your city that has the lowest score, is your score for the game. So you're trying to make them both good. Yeah, and I,
1: I for the life of me, I can't figure out if I like it. Yes, yeah. I've gone back and forth. I mean, I didn't win at the game. In fact, I, I think I might have had the lowest score. Well, I must have shared it. But uh, you know, the idea of the of cooperatively building a city just with one player in a multiplayer game. How many games are like that?
0: I mean, is this is this like unique? This is pretty unique. I've never even heard of a game that you do that.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I can't say it's the best game ever or anything, but it, I liked how different it was. You know, you had to you had to really kind of look at what your partners are doing. And even though you're competing against them, you're both motivated to work together. And the, secondly, the, you know, having your lowest score be your score, I don't like it. <laughs> but I know that there's a reason they did it that way. You know, I don't want to be judged on the worst thing that I did in the game. Right. You know, you, I, you
2: have to in that scenario, though, because otherwise you could just concentrate on your left and ignore your right. I right. Mean, there's there's no yeah. other way to make you pay attention equally.
1: Right. But you, what, they could do something like an average, though. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad of an idea where you're still motivated to do well on both of them it's not like you you want to drop one of them and exceed in the other because you're going to be averaged down.
0: So maybe they did it for simplicity. Because if you look at those two scoring methods, taking your lowest is much easier than figuring out an average. It's easier,
1: but it's a little more painful.
0: So there actually is a precedent for this. Uh, There's a designer, Reiner Knizia, the doctor. And by the way, in a future episode, I might talk about why I have a problem with this guy. <laughs> but a he's good a very. Doctor. I have a lot of problems he's Doctor Reiner Knizia. He's designed a lot of very well-known games, and this is like a common thing in a lot of his games, where you're you'll be building multiple things. There's no you're not working with someone, but for your own personal score, you'll you'll be like the easiest way to explain it is like you have multiple tracks you're going up, but your final score is your lowest track. So they they kind of call it the Knizia scoring method because okay. he kind of so. Uh, That's kind of a precedent. But I think Tim's right, though. In this game, you have to do something like that. Otherwise, it would be broken.
1: I would favor an average, though. Yeah. Over the lowest. But anyway, I found the game interesting. I don't know if I... I don't even know what I think of it.
0: Well, you exposed an interesting maybe flaw in the game. I remember because Chris asked if he knew that he wasn't going to win, should he just tank the other city to to screw up the other person? (laughs) So, like, so like if Chris had a really low score on his left, what what's what would be his motivation of doing well on the right? It's true. And that's interesting. I don't know. We haven't explored it enough to know if that's even a valid strategy or not. Maybe it is. And we well,
1: just, I think if you took the average, then I would be motivated to build on my right. Yeah. But other than just playing the game with good morality, there's really not a good reason.
0: Well, I mean, what you should be doing is taking the best tile. You should always be choosing the best tile for the low city so you really are kind of but coincidentally there's no, there's no best tile though, because they're theming differently you know you're going for a different strategy true but it. your whole decision at that point is getting your low city up so you don't even care what's in the other city right but at the same time though you may not want to tank it too much in case you catch up on your other one and then suddenly you're right so i don't know we've only played it the one time yeah i'm not
2: sure i feel about that one either so
0: i liked it because the rules explanation was so short it was only like five that's minutes. That's why you liked it. You guys thought... It was so short, you guys actually thought I had played it before. Yeah, it's true. So, and I and all I do is read the rules. So, it's very easy to teach, and it's a quick 30-minute game for seven people. I think that's a good... Uh, I would
1: play that again over playing Seven Wonders again, but I wouldn't play it over a new game.
0: Oh. Oh Isn't it still considered new? No, no. it's been played once. It's been played. We always have this problem at the end of the night, though, where we have a lot of people who want to play a game together. So... It's like for that specific scenario. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's either that or we do the, the party games or werewolf or whatever.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm starting to check out of uh, code names or code words. Code names. Code names. Code names. Wow. <laughs> We've
2: well, done that twice now and you're already checking it, it out? It's.
1: I didn't really like it as much as everybody else the wow. first night. And then it was kind of being confirmed. Wow. My, my, it's, there's so much luck involved with that game. Oh, my God. I I really luck factor again. I think we'll I think we'll have to try it like one three strikes and you're out. I don't agree at all. There's I don't think any luck in that game. From what I've seen, you know, there's (laughs) we talked about this on a previous episode. There was a game, and I, I wish I could remember in greater detail. We were up it was like five to two going into the last round, last inning. And we lost because the the team that had more to get They just started getting them and just because of, you know, but I was the clue giver in that game. I know what game you're talking about. So do you. Okay. So agree with this, if you will, The, the, the opposing team was dominating the entire game up to that point.
0: I actually don't remember, but the only thing I know is every card that they guessed for the clues I gave matched the reason I gave that clue. So okay. there was nothing random about their guesses. Okay. So for example... Well, maybe I'm wrong. There was one clue I gave. It was entertainment. And one and one of the cards was Rome. And I was thinking about the Colosseum, all the gladiators, stuff like that. And it, it they were teetering on choosing that for like three rounds. And then the last round, they finally went for it. And it was right. And that was exactly why I gave that clue. But I remember at that point, you thought it was random because... You thought they were just randomly choosing Rome, but there's a reason they're choosing it. It was because... It was the- a process of elimination. We
1: talked about that last time. With the, You can rule out things based <laughs> on clues that were given earlier in the game. And yeah. Well, Rome may have fit clue XYZ, and this, this other word, blue, doesn't fit anything, so we're, we won't choose blue. Okay. And then there's there's... Is that random, but, though? Because at that there, point, it's... That, that in particular is not. Okay. But what, what happens is, okay, so here's, here's really the, the, the whole gig. When I win a game or lose a game, I like to know that that is just. In other words, so if I, if I lose a game, I, I'd like to know why I lost and feel like, okay, that makes sense. I learned something new that can make me better at this game next time. Or maybe there's an aspect I hadn't considered. A lot of times when we play with Tim, he'll expose maybe a, a strategy that I haven't thought of. And I'll oh, can, at least I learned something. I lost the game, and, I, and I'm a little better for it. With code names, I'm winning the game. Not not every game, but there are games I'm – our team is dominating the game up until the very end. And then because there's, like, this desperation – you know, it's like you have to take the long shot. Yeah, You have to throw the Hail Mary because you're down – You know, you're afraid that the other team's only got two, one or two guesses left. And so you, you have to go for it. And there's no way you know what you're doing. There is deduction for sure. And there's process of elimination, but the act of desperation involved at the very end to like, we're, we're like comfortable. And then all of a sudden we, we lost because there's this chain. Now for the other team, that's fun. I get why that would be fun because, you know, you're, you're getting killed all game and then you, you kind of Band together and using a little bit of, of rational thinking, you're you're knocking out the the, the words. But it, it, there's nothing that I'm taking away. Thinking, oh, I can I can be better at this game.
0: Here's what you time. should take away: you shouldn't <laughs> play it safe. And a lot of times, you play it safe by only giving like one or two word clues. That gives the other team an opportunity to come back with a hail mary. So I think the thing to take away from code no, names as agree. the spymaster is you should always, in my mind, I'm always going not enough
1: chances to chain the words though like sometimes you, to, you just can't you have to do be it.
0: creative that's yeah.
1: i understand that but sometimes you can't do it you can't chain you know
0: uh like two words that
1: have nothing to do there were times we did it
0: that is random i'll, I'll admit there, the one random thing in the game is sometimes but, the clues match but you know honestly if we better. have a
1: big lead we did get risky i mean we wouldn't have had a huge lead without or the other team that. did bad right but either way we're like out in front If we have four clues left, I'm not going to go for four when you guys have, like, six left. I'm going to go for... Let's go to
0: the arbitrator. Is that that a word? Yeah. Tim. Yeah. The arbitrator. Is uh, code names too random, Uh, or is it involves skill? Here's the softball.
2: I I believe it would be skill more than
0: luck. (laughs) I love having Tim on the podcast. Mm I
2: mean, there's some definite (laughs) times when you're just guessing, but usually the guess is it's not i'm picking you know there's never been a game where i've just picked a random card i've always picked a card being given a previous clue and trying to make that bridge that i didn't make earlier in the game right so it's never just i'm gonna pick blue because well just because there's always some thing s- that's leading me to shoot the a assassin
0: makes you not do that that's probably right. why it's in there it's so people don't do make random guesses so
2: there's always a reason I'm picking a card. It's never just a random guess.
0: So here's the thing, though, about Chris. Wow. Chris Chris has <clears> a, a, I would call it a, it's like a superpower. <laughs> Chris has a superpower where he, like, figures things out that no one else can see. So maybe in, like, five years, we will be, we'll be convinced. There's something maybe that Chris is seeing that Tim and I aren't getting. I doubt Sometimes it. Sometimes I can't explain myself well.
1: Uh, and I think that's what you're getting at. So, <laughs> I think we have another oh, show oh. coming up called Random Luck. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll have to talk about the random thing some more. Yeah, we, we're like way off topic Yeah, now. between two cities. Between two cities. Not a bad game. It's interesting, for sure. I'd like to play it again.
2: All right, so uh, I'm crossing to the dark side. Uh-oh. Yeah, X-Wing, switching it up. Uh, my brother's decided that he is uh, tired of losing with my nephew, because they're usually the Imperials. And usually me and my younger brother are the uh, the rebels, so... I am switching over to the dark side and joining my nephew, Johnny, oh. and playing the imperial side.
0: I always assumed you always switched up. I didn't know
2: you no, always no, chose I'm the same pretty fashion. Much a, I'm pretty much a rebel player, and uh, my older brother, Jim's the imperial player. The imperial side is the much more difficult side to play, and it's unfortunate that my nephew chose the imperial side because it requires much better flying skills and stuff. So that's part of it. And when he just kind of sets his dials jumps on his iPhone and stops paying attention. So I yeah. have to get him engaged more. So now I will be his uh, partner and nemesis and hopefully uh, bring some more wins to the Imperial side because it's been a rout for sure.
0: Now, are you getting tired of that game at all? Or are you still... Not even close.
2: Okay. Not even close. Actually, wow. my gym uh, is actually... He's not even switching to Rebel. He's going to Scum. What's yeah. That? Oh, yeah, there's a third scum. faction. third faction. Yeah. There's three factions now. So now there's this kind of bounty hunter faction that they call Scum. And it has some of the Rebel ships, Y-Wings, Z-95s, but it also has some Imperial ships. It's got the Fire Spray, and then it's got a whole bunch of new ships. they got a bunch of the uh, Bounty Hunter ships from Star Wars coming out. Bosk and Houndstooth and everyone's ships. So, yeah, it's not even coming close to stopping. Having lots of fun. The only problem with that game is the amount of stuff that is with the game. It's like you you could get buried in counters and cards and... Ships and stands. Is it because you're buying all and, the expansions? Because isn't is that your you, fault? <laughs> part of that, but you just even just to come play the game, you know, you need your focus tokens, your evade tokens, your damage tokens, and you know your your pilot cards and your upgrade cards, and your it's just there's a lot of stuff. I would have it
0: very well organized. So you wouldn't even notice you know what, that. Uh, what
2: I should do is I should just drop you a box of this stuff. And see what you come back with as an organization method. You know
0: what's because sad? That would be
2: very impressive.
0: Is when you said that, I actually got a little excited.
2: Wow. Because <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've got containers that I buy from Chessex okay. for the ships that organize them very nicely. I've got another Plano container that I bought from like Michaels or Home Depot or something Michaels. that does the cards and then another one that does the chits and the dice. And So you've got it all organized. So yeah, but I, I got to bring like five containers to to play a a single game that's a problem yeah one it doesn't it doesn't help either that usually when we sit on play we do 200 points apiece so we're kind of playing more epic play rather than the 100 the 100 points skirmish stuff so you know 200 points per person so we're having a 400 point game per side so they take
0: about three hours to play you need like a giant tackle box wouldn't that it just doesn't seem to work nicely no Mm. that's probably where i would start looking
2: yeah, no, I, I've, I've looked at the tackle boxes. The Plano seem to be working. The Chessix boxes are great for the ships. The the one Plano
0: box works perfect
2: for like the counters and the stands and stuff like that. But it's, it's just, oh my God, there's
0: just too many pieces. I want to do an episode sometime on game organization. I see. That sounds interesting to me. Like, I would want to hear that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so you, you need
2: visuals for that because you're trying to describe how this stuff's going to be put well, in. Well, what containers. I would
0: describe is all the different things I've found as a gamer that have worked. Because I've experimented a lot with organization. I've got some good tips. <laughs> so I think there's other people out there like me. Probably. Actually, I know there are. There probably are. is. Because there there's a whole is. market for board game inserts people <laughs> buy for specific games. You and Nathan, Nathan's really big at the
2: containers too. Yeah, he is. It's like I think you two go to the container store and like,
0: I think I edge him out a little. You,
2: I think you do. <laughs>
0: I'm a little annoyed yeah, with his system yeah. sometimes.
2: One <laughs> also updating bathroom construction oh, has started. What what's uh, so been accomplished? Oh uh, yeah. So what? Right now we're just working in the shower area. Got the bench built and that kind of stuff. So uh, next one is I think we're going to be getting the exhaust fan in and uh, maybe finishing up a little bit of plumbing and get that whole thing drywalled. Wow. So nice. Did When's some, the toilet did some going electrical? In? The toilet's downstairs. Because we don't have any females. It is sitting there. Game nights. That's true. We We do not want to watch you through studded walls. (laughs) No, that that we can put up one of your
1: wizard paintings to to block to block. Yeah, that that's not a showstopper.
2: Is it? There would still be the tinkle noise. You can bank it. (laughs) If you're (laughs) You're skilled. (laughs) I think we'll wait till there's walls and a door.
0: Okay. If we record in the basement, we will wait. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So for me, I uh, have a confession to make that I think maybe has been evident, but I just want to make it official. I have social deduction fatigue. Interesting. I uh, am losing When did interest. that happen? Wow, the werewolf has
1: yeah. been taken. When did that happen? Was it the One Night <laughs>
0: Vampire? <laughs> it was before that. It's been happening for a while. Like I've been getting tired of One Night Werewolf, but I thought maybe playing other games would fill the void. That Maybe it was just that game. But no, I think... Even at um, Gen Con, like when I was getting annoyed in that Witch Hunt game, and the I didn't really have fun. Looking back on it... Didn't d- you play at Origins? No. Because you said you got lynched for the first time. No, that was at uh, BGG Con. Right, right. And I didn't have fun in that game either. But that's because you were sick. Yeah. No, that's because of the chicken nuggets. But it wasn't even fun l- leading up to that point. I am i don't know. I'm losing interest. I think this year is, I'm, I'm going oh. through a, a change. Like, I might not even want to play Dead of Winter or Shadows over Camelot, like, all year. I'm okay with that. Even though the expansion sounds like there's an expansion coming, I might want to play that for Dead of Winter. But, I don't know, One Night Vampire was just okay. Why, though? I think it's just... I don't know. Is it because you like other mechanics more? You know, here's what it is, actually. Once I started playing Code Names, (laughs) I feel like it it occurred to me that there's... That there's other style of games that could fit that same niche, that same time frame, like in the game nights, that don't have to be social deduction games. So it's social, just not social deduction. Yes. So all the one night games really end up but, being the same Camelot thing over and isn't over. Like that. Yeah, Camelot and Dead of Winter though are kind of similar. I yeah. don't. I don't think yeah. the
2: hidden element is you know, the whole point of that game is not to figure out the hidden element, more than to complete your personal goals. Whereas you know, the werewolves, your whole job is to figure out who's a werewolf. Yeah.
0: And it might just be that we're always the same group. Like, I mean, playing the same game over and over and over with the same group, I just feel like it's, we're always doing the well, same thing. We haven't thing. played that in a long time. Yeah. But even like Spyfall. So, this is what I, what I, the point I want to get to actually is I kind of feel like I want to shift from social deduction to there, there's what been recently what I would call a party game renaissance. That's what I'm going to term it. Where, Party games are being released. They're social games that are – they're like gamer versions of old mass market party games. So Codenames is an example. It's like a gamer version of Password, right? Right. Uh, There's a lot of other ones. Like uh, there's a game called Concept, which – you know how charades is annoying because you have to get up and make a fool of yourself? (laughs) That's the whole point. So Concept is like – it's like charades only. You play it on a board and there's no acting. Uh, there's a game called Pictomania, which is the same designer that did Codenames, and it's like a Pictionary remake. So what's the difference? It, it's it's like a gamer version of Pictionary. So I'm drawing, at the same time I'm drawing, I'm trying to guess your drawings. So you have to draw and figure out what other people are drawing, you're all doing at the same time. And there's like a point system and everything. So they've, they've made, all these games have been coming out, and there's a lot of them. And I think that... To me right now, those are way more appealing than playing, like getting another new social deduction game and playing that. So I've been really interested in these kind of party game, newer party games that have been coming out. Kind of want to bring those to our group. Wondering what you guys think about that.
1: If it's like code names, I'm not that high on it, but I would try it. You know, it's I know I can see the Renaissance happening. Mm -hmm. And there's like there's more of a crossover between like the lightweight party games that are just for fun and then like the hardcore games. So these crossover games could be fun to try. Yeah. The
0: Pictionary one is kind of intimidating because you know, I can't draw. Yeah, that's the great thing about it, though, because everyone has to draw and guess at the same time. Yeah. So it levels the playing field. Interesting. And another one that has been out for a while is called Cashing Guns. So this game is hilarious. I think I've talked about this before in the show, but it actually comes with foam guns that you point at each other. And But there's like a set collection thing. So you're it's like... This game, I think people describe it's like the end of Reservoir Dogs. You okay. know when they all have their guns point at each other. Yeah, it's like that in a game. You know, like you're all pointing. You go one, two, three, and you all point your gun at someone, and then you could be shooting a blank or an actual bullet. And you only have three bullets to shoot the whole game, and you have you have a certain amount of bullets you can take before you're out of the game. But basically, everyone who doesn't get shot gets to take a card from the middle, and then you're trying to get sets of cards. But the thing is, when we all point at each other before you reveal whether or not you're actually shooting everyone has the opportunity to duck which means they have no chance of getting the card in the middle so someone could be pointing guns at you and you don't know if they're going to shoot you or not and you're trying you're not sure so you can duck or stay in if you stay in and you get shot then you don't get to take a card if you don't get shot you get a card So it's it's interesting because there's a whole game in the middle, too, of getting the sets of cards for points at the end. So just games like that. I think those would be fun to fill that time instead of the social deduction games. The Party Game Renaissance, 2016. All right.
2: I I won't be horribly upset with the werewolf disappearing.
0: Yeah, you you sound really (laughs) disappointed. Yeah, I'm really upset. We even
2: played that in a while. That
0: was a putty moment right there.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, the social deduction hit me a while ago. That's just like, oh God, I don't care who you are. I just want to play a game.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's it for the spawn point. Time to move on to a listener question. Dennis Hoyle. Once again, we have a question from Dennis and here we go. Dennis Hoyle asks, if one play equals one vote. What are some of the best games in your collection that don't get a lot of votes?
1: Yeah, so this is basically games with a low play count that you like. You know, and so you haven't really played them much, but they're great. Or at least you like them a lot. Or you want to play them. So m- for me, it's really easy. It's a Grick Alive. It's got a kind of zero. But I really want to play it. I know that I'm going to like the game. Because, you know, it, not just that it's ranked high, but I, I basically know how it works because of caverna and i've played all the the games that came after it it seems like and you know going back to to that is something i've been meaning to do but it's got a zero so for me that's an easy one
0: let's do it bring it next game night we'll play it it after pandemic legacy
2: sounds good boom tim well i was trying to debate too whether this was best games in my collection for our group that'll ever get played or just in general so whatever you want dennis didn't specify well, for our group, is X-wing. Of course, that's the best game I uh, we'll have that we'll never get a vote. In okay, group. but is if we're going for there, one um, play equals one vote. Yeah, I well, we got lots of plays in a different group. Now, this group, it'll be zero plays. And
1: it's how many you played
2: it. Oh, well. How many times you played?
1: So it's like games that are at a low. Like you haven't played a lot. So we gotta go bang, bang. bang. See, that's know, a good one. Never it. happened. <laughs> you have too much resistance with the group, but it's a game you like. Yes. Explain cannot. why you like Bang
2: so much. You know, it's just, it's a big group game. You know, it's its fun. Usually, I mean, the times I've played, they're usually fairly quick. I mean, you do kind of get to the point where the sheriff and the last guy are kind of gunned it out. But when there's a big enough group and we're trading off people, as people get eliminated, they go start another game. So it's kind of like that first game that you play in the night. And after people get killed off, they can go play another four-player game while these people finish up. So it's like you're not waiting for the game to finish. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, I just enjoy it. All right, Ryan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ryan doesn't like he, he doesn't like bang I no,
0: I, I, no, it was Chris's reaction that was funny you have no response alright
1: <laughs> no he answered my question I, I think bang it's it's I don't know it's an acquired taste I guess you, you bring up a good point about when you're done because you've got eliminated you could go play a game that's the worst part of the game yeah it might be the second worst part of the game you don't really have much control if you're going to do well in that game I mean it just seems like you could be getting you know bang cards played on you and there is that always you know it's it's got a little bit of the the code names problem
0: i'm starting to think the like the random player other player randomness issue mm-hmm. might be a bigger issue for you than the well, long bang, turn issue so
1: no but like bang yeah. no it's not it's not because i like cult express <laughs> which is very heavy in that you know and even bang i think you hate bang more than i do if a game has a High element of chance. It doesn't mean it's a bad game. You just need to go into it thinking, you know, I'm not going to come in here with a killer strategy and win because you, you do that and well, yeah, you're be it's all depends
2: on card draw and that kind of yeah. Stuff. I mean,
1: it's it's yeah. a, it's the whole lightweight thing. It's it's light. It's fun. It's not heavy, and you, you have to go into it thinking it's okay if I lose. I'm just having fun, you know. And then you're playing your bank cards, yeah, yeah. or you know, you're you're getting punched in Cult Express, and you have to just roll with it. And it's, it's not like uh, some of the more intense games where you've got a heavy strategy
2: you're implementing? So
0: for me, I have three.
2: This should be expected. Of course.
0: First one is Caverna. I'm not going to belabor the point. <clears throat> um, well, it does have one play, one vote. Yeah. Well, I played it twice because I played it one time uh, at BGGCon the year it came out, and then I bought it later and played it one time with you guys. So I played it twice. How many hours was that game, the other one? It was about the same. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because... Those games tend to be long, and I wasn't
1: sure if it was just us or if it gets faster with time.
0: No. Well, I think if we played it multiple times, it would get way faster. Once you learn the tiles and everything and you're not fighting the rules. I never really got over fighting the rules, even over, even after two plays. The clickphoria hasn't happened yet. Really? Yeah. That's why you want to keep playing. Yeah. That explains it. I'm seeking that mountaintop moment. Mm-hmm. Second is a game called Through the Ages. So this is an a great game that I've actually played a lot online on board game arena, but my copy of it has only been played once. And the reason is that it takes six hours to play and it's really, you really only want to play that game with three people because turns are really long. So it makes it perfect for an asynchronous online game, which is where I always play it, but actually sitting down to play the board game version of it, It's not, it's like an event game. You have to schedule a game day just to play that game. And then the third one is Targi. Targi is my favorite two-player game. And it's a, it's more, it's a more complex two-player game. And I just don't have a scenario where I can play those. Esther doesn't, I mean, she was okay with it. She'd probably play with me, but she wouldn't enjoy it as much as other games. So I don't, I don't try to play it with her, but I love the game. It is the, it's the best two-player game. I'm just going to say it. It really is the best two player strategy game, but it sits on my shelf unplayed, even though it's one of my favorite games. So, those are my three. So, Dennis, thank you for your question. It's time to move on to a segment that we've done once before and we're gonna resurrect, and that is the Out of Game Hall of Fame. So the Out of Game Hall of Fame, just to remind everyone, we are going to list a game that we would put in the ha- in our own personal Hall of Fame. So this doesn't necessarily mean that it's an amazing strategy game or an amazing game in, a, in and of itself. It's, it has some meaning to us that causes us to put it in our personal Hall of Fame. It's almost
1: like you have a soft spot for this game.
0: Yeah. So Chris, you want to kick us off? We're, I'm going
1: to kick this off. So my Hall of Fame game, it's a game that you'd never buy this game now. I have a lot of memories with this game, though. And uh, Ryan hates this game. I would be introducing Risk. I was going to say, it Holocaust. starts with an R, don't it. <laughs> and the, the, the reason is pu- it's pure man hours playing it. I played, just have so many, like an ungodly amount of memories playing this game. And I know it's like, by today's standards, it's not what it once was, but I would enter this in. It's got to be in. Just based on all the all the epic battling we've
2: done.
0: It's definitely in a hall. <laughs> it's about as far as I'd go. Man. <laughs> Not
2: encouraging words.
0: You know what you know what's great about risk is that you're like dominating, you're about to win, and the game's almost over after six hours. And then your two annoying friends team up against you and they come after you for another six hours, and then you get a match. And you go back at them for yet another six hours. No feeling like that. Yeah, sounds that's amazing. It is because it's epic. (laughs) It is epic. It is epic. Epic (laughs) stupidity. Epic fun.
1: Sentimentality. It has a lot to do with it. I play a lot of risk. You know, we played with house rules that I think made that game a little better. Oh, when we had we called those uh, those big ten spots megas. When we had too many megas on there. We would, you know, like one roll would represent multiple armies. Mm-hmm. So that way you wouldn't have like the six hour games because we wouldn't want to do that. So there's ways around the, the time length problem. And we also had a house rule that the defense can wait to roll their dice, you don't roll at the same time. And so that made wanting to like go after people a little less appealing. Because defense had a little more of an advantage.
0: Why is waiting an advantage? Why is that advantage? Because I, 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 get
1: to roll your, I get to watch your three dice. Right. And if you have a couple sixes, I'm only going to roll one. Oh, I get If you have a bad roll, I'm rolling two. Gotcha. I understand. So just that little tweak may change the game quite a bit in, in, a, in a way that favors maybe being a little more strategic with what you're doing and not just haphazardly attacking people. Yeah.
0: So this might surprise you, Chris. If If the legacy thing goes well... I kind of might want to try Risk Legacy. Right? Whoa. I need to brace myself.
1: <laughs> okay, I didn't faint. I almost did.
0: So the reason is that they streamlined the game of Risk, so it's not normal Risk. It's it's a completely different version of Risk that can be played in 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. So that's the only reason that I'm willing to give it a try. Well, Plus the Legacy thing seems pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see, because we've got Seafall, which we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. and Risk Legacy, which is like the original, but people loved it. So it's worth trying. I mean, who knows? Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is annoying everyone else in our game group right. <laughs> if we do all these legacy campaigns. It's true. But we'll see. Tim. Nice.
2: All right, Hall of Fame game. I'm gonna first thing I gotta do here is I gotta I gotta pass out your uh Acme detective cards here. What is this? What is this? And then uh, here's your here's your couple guys that you're gonna be going for here. And all this right. is what we call Stop Thief.
0: St- Stop <laughs> Tim Thief. Tim is handing us business cards. What the heck? Oh, this also has noise.
2: <laughs> this has another thing. Electronic age of the the young stuff. It looks like
0: an Atari controller. So this is what this is what. Oh, he just robbed something. Oh wow. Hey, my guy's six foot three, and he was born in Fe- February 26, nineteen
1: twenty eight. Nineteen twenty eight.
0: was born.
2: So, <laughs> so what are you doing? This, this is this, game? The, this is the criminal. So there's there's the board is basically got four quadrants. Each one's a building. And there's a thief. Okay. And he's going through and he's walking through the buildings and robbing jewelry stores, this, that. So, uh, you can get a clue to see where the guy's at. And then you got to move your little detective piece over there and then try to get to him. And then if, you know, based on what he's done, you know, you hear step, step, robbery, door, step, run down the street and try to figure out where he's at. And then you try to put a little arrest on him. So you can like, hit the arrest and then you sit, you punch in a quadrant and then a space, which has numbers on there. And the cops come. <laughs> wow. Oh, and we were wrong. We didn't find him. Uh, so, but then you can do things and you can get a tip. And tip's really not a tip. It's like the guy's here. So it's, it's like a finger pointing right at the guy. Okay. So if you can get to that square in time before he moves, you can try and arrest on this. And hopefully we'll get him this time. <laughs> okay. A little gunfight ensues. Nice. Oh, he got away! <laughs> so now he's so now he's walking. He, he opened the door. He just robbed something again. Brash man! Opened another door. Took some more steps. More steps. So you have to listen to all now, this and
0: figure out what's going now on. Now you got to
2: figure out from where he was and just did all those moves and forgot where he is now. Wow! And then there's a, there's some cards that you know you can get tips and you can. Do things, and then, you know, basically every time you catch a criminal, you get the uh, amount posted on their wanted card,
0: and you keep playing over and over again. For example, Hans Off, the pickpocket, is worth $900 in reward. Yes. (laughs) The name is a pun. It is. I also have The Brain, $1,000. Nice. you got Ruby Diamond, the
2: jewel thief, and Emile Donovan, the cat burglar. (laughs) Okay. There's a whole bunch of those, and... Me and my brothers used to play this all the time when we were younger. and
0: So once again, Tim busts out a game from the 80s oh, that yeah. we did not have any prior knowledge to him so, owning. Right. And did
2: you notice the fingerprints on the back of all the criminal cards? Wow. So they've already been fingerprinted. So this was one that, yeah, me and my brothers used to play all the time. My dad brought this home. had no clue what it was. And we have played the tar out of it. And it's amazing. It's still in good shape and working. But it is. And it wow. goes back to that electronic intro to games.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Is that worth playing? Should we play it sometime?
2: Um, it's probably something I'll play with my kids. I'm not sure that it's yeah. uh
0: I don't know. I'm thinking we still need the Dark Tower tonight. You, you
2: know, I've had that downstairs for a while now.
0: There's some new uh this is like this is a topic for a future episode technology and board games. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should talk about some of these old this, games. This is the then, beginnings right yeah, here. That's where it originated. So for me, a game I mentioned last episode actually that I'm gonna induct into the Hall of Fame, and that is Munchkin. I would say Munchkin. It's the it's probably the second quote unquote hobby game that I was got into. First being Axis and Allies, but we would go to conventions just to do role playing in Munchkin. <laughs> that was when I was living in California. Played a lot of this game. I used to volunteer for Steve Jackson Games, ran the world tournament. Have a lot of good memories playing Munchkin. I remember one time Esther and I actually visited Chris uh, when we were living in California. We stayed. For like three or four days at his house, and that whole four days, I remember we played Munchkin like over and over. Mm-hmm. That was when I was really into it. That was probably the first time Chris and I, thinking back on it, ever played a board game together.
1: Yeah, if you count that as a board game, because that was pre Magic.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it was a. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a card game, but so yeah, Munchkin. Munchkin. You know, it's still a decent game. It's worthy. Yeah, worthy game. You know, it's time for. Uh oh. Make it till we make it. To be a
2: great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you're not, pretend you are.
0: Fake it till we make it. Question one. It's an interesting question. How do you deal with a child who is a sore loser? How do you help them overcome this? It's
1: isn't it, it's with a leather belt.
2: <laughs> oh.
1: No. Seriously, so like, for me, I'm pretty good with kids. I, you have to engage them and communicate with them, as, as lame as that sounds. You know, like, tell me what happened. You know, why are you upset? Try to connect with his reasons because there, there's a reason for it. Either uh he got pummeled, like, legitimately schooled and doesn't like it. Like, it's not pleasant, especially for a child, you know, or else it was like, <laughs> Sorry, it was like a like a code names problem where he didn't deserve to lose. And then he did. And he's like, what just happened? And he's complaining. So you have to engage him, figure out, explain to him why he lost. What can you take away from it? Make yourself better the next time you play. You're not going to win every time. Those kinds of things. You got to let them with kids. You have to let them express why they're bothered by it. Yeah. And then once you do that, you can you want you, you don't want them to be disenchanted with gaming either. Because that can happen if you're losing a lot. And so you, you, you know, talk them off the ledge and, you know, help them to get back into it again and maybe learn something.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of have this problem with Samantha sometimes, too, because actually I have the opposite problem, too, is when she wins. Sometimes she like gets really, oh, I won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And so, it's like, you know, which is it's probably worse. It's kinda, well, it's kind of the same thing. Cause I'm like, you know, Sam, you got to be a good winner because, you know what, when you lose, you know how you feel. So when you act like that, when you win, imagine how the people feel when they lose. And then when she loses them, you know, I try to sit down and say, look, you know, you can't win every single time. You'll, you know, you'll win and you'll lose. And being a graceful loser is just as important as being a graceful winner because you can't win every game. It's not, it's not possible. So I think sitting down, discussing with them, you know, letting them get their feelings out and stuff and then just kind of explaining, look, this is this is how it is you're not going to be able to win every game see what happened see what went wrong and see if you can correct that in the next game of course you know i'm playing like shoots and ladders so there's no way to spin the dial better but you know <laughs> trying to teach her that stuff when she's really young so that she doesn't get to that point because actually i do have a problem with that with uh, my nephew he is not happy when he loses and i think that's why with our x-wing games he's kind of disengaged mm. Is he's lost so many times he just doesn't care anymore and so I've yeah, been trying to I've been trying to sit down with him and work up a strategy with him to try to play with him and show him, you know, trying to share dials with him and stuff like this. saying, look, this is what I'm going to do because I'm going to try to do this and try to get him involved more into his decision making so that when he loses, it could be like, look, you know, this is what happened. This is why we lost and just chalk it up. We figured out something. Let's try it the next time.
1: Yeah, the main reason
2: games are fun when you think about it is a series of choices that
1: you make yeah. determining a win. For you, like it leads you to a victory, that's a very rewarding thing. And yeah. if you play so many times in a row, and you're, you don't have that, like you're you're making choices but you're not winning, that could be discouraging. And then the end result is you end up not wanting to play games, which right. is you know that's not that's not good. You know you have to have the joy of gaming. You don't want to lose that, and so you, it's it's tough, it's tough to to manage because you want them to continue to play, but you have to accept losing.
2: Yeah, so. and this is the biggest thing is getting them to accept the fact that they can't win everything. It's right. just not going to happen. And just but you know, you can't you can't like admonish them for doing it either because if you go hard on them with that, then it kind of turns them off even more. You got to kind of handle it with kid gloves and try to find out the reason why they're so upset about it. And you know, maybe, maybe it's a stupid reason that they're upset, but just be like, "Okay, you know, I understand, you know. You know, maybe next time you'll win, you know. I won this time."
1: Yeah, I just find that letting them get it out of them, like why yeah. validate what they're feeling, is frou frou as that sounds. You know that you know they did they did X Y and Z, and I did this, and then they they still beat me. Like just let let it out, validate that you're right. That that sucks. Yeah, and it's okay to it's okay that that sucks. You know you you didn't win that one. You know, but uh, now you know maybe what they're gonna do next time. You might might have learned something. But, yeah, losing too many times in a row, we've all been there, except for maybe 10. And uh, (laughs) you want to make sure that you get back on the horse and try it again.
0: Yeah. So for me, my my kids aren't quite old enough to even – like Evan, he's three and a half, so he doesn't understand the concept of winning and losing yet. So the thing that I started to have trouble with just recently with him is trying to get him to follow the rules of the game. When he understands – he understands everything when I explain it, but then he just doesn't want to do it in some cases. And I think I think the thing about even like kids with, that are sore losers, you know, these lessons that you're teaching them go beyond gaming. I mean, these yes. are more of life lessons. So teaching him to follow rules, like that's just a norm. That's something that he needs to learn anyways in our house. And it, games gives me a great opportunity to do that. So just the other night we were playing a game. The game is called Gary Gouda. You have this mouse, you're moving around inside this box and you're picking up pieces of cheese and there's like these different sized holes and as you're picking up the cheese, your mouse is getting fatter so it can't fit through a hole at some point and you can't tell what size the holes are because of the way they designed it. And so when you get stuck, it's like your mouse is too fat and you lose the cheese. Well, he didn't want to lose the cheese. And I, and I was like, no, Evan, you got to throw the cheese in the box. You know, your mouse is too fat. And then he started crying. And so, you know, I like went over to him and I'm like, listen, we have to play by the rules or we can't play anymore. And it's just enforcing that. I'm like, so do you want to play or do you want to do you want to play or, or do you want to put the game away? And, and it was like, if you want to play, you have to put your cheese in the box because that's the rules. And ultimately, he wanted to play, obviously. So he, he put the cheese in the box and then he was fine after that. Every time after that, he got cheese. He just laughed and threw in the box. But teaching him to follow rules, once he understands what rules are, <laughs> now we can use that example to teach him to follow rules in the house so i think when it comes to winning and losing he doesn't care like we'll be playing candyland he'll get to the end and i'll be like oh evan you won and he'll be like yeah dad i won too i'm like okay like <laughs> whatever he doesn't care you know um so i haven't had to deal with that yet and i'm hoping i, I mean it's probably gonna happen it, it'll at some happen
2: because sam was at a point like that too where she didn't care and now all of a sudden she started to really care that she wasn't winning. Yeah, You know, and you know, we're playing shoots and ladders. It's random who gets up to the top and wins. Yeah, and I would win, and she'd be like, "Ah, oh, she'd get really upset that I won." I'd be like, "Look, you know, sometimes I'm going to win, sometimes you're going to win." And then she'd win the next one, she'd be all happy. And then after enough iterations of it, you know, I'd win, and she'd be like, "Good job, daddy, you won." Oh, cool. So, there's there's a you know, there's definitely a maturation process that happened there, and I think it's just letting them express that up front. And then just kind of, you know, dealing with this thing. Look, you know, you can't win all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, the longer it goes, the older the child is. I think it's harder to deal with that sore loser. Yeah. Because now if you've got, you know, a 10-year-old versus a 5-year-old, you know, the maturity level is a lot different there. So if if they're being a sore loser at 10, I think it's a lot harder to correct. Yeah. And I think it actually takes more discussion at 10 because now you have to find out, you know, why does why does this bug you so much? Because a lot of it – It's probably kind of like what you were saying. It's like people are pointing out moves that I should know, so I feel stupid. And maybe they feel inferior because they can't win. So you got to make sure that it's not an ego complex thing or something like that with them also.
0: Question two. What is the best game from 2006? I don't have much from 2006, but there was one on the
2: list that I did see. Yeah. Twilight Imperium, Ooh. the game that will never be played with our group because it takes more than thirty minutes.
0: Well, I mean, no, it, it's like it takes 6 more than hour
2: hours. <laughs> no, come on. Uh, I think you could probably play that in six
0: hours. Last time I played it, took sixteen hours. Were you playing with slow people? No, we were doing a lot of negotiating. Okay, well that would uh, explain it.
2: Okay, it's, what you got to do is you got you got to play with my younger brother Chris. There are no negotiations. Okay, it's just attack kill. You don't like it. Uh, I'm just gonna kill you.
0: Is this the same Chris that was like really bad at Warlight? Because if uh, yeah, so, yeah. I'd like to play a game yes, with him. Yes, yes, <laughs> because I have a chance.
2: That, it could be just the Warlight thing versus the board game thing. Okay, I've actually only played Twilight Imperium one time with Ed. Did you like and it? I liked it. I enjoyed it. How long did it take? Uh, we put we played for about five and a half hours.
0: Okay, so you know how many players? Good, four. Okay, I think we played with the max player count when I played, and it was like. Uh, literally people would walk into the other room and like have diplomacy sessions. Like I would take James, like James was in the game. With me. I would take James in the other room and we would make a deal about whether or not we we're going to attack each other. And then someone else would take me in the, in the other room. So everyone had these like deals with everyone.
2: Well, then that's, I mean,
0: so it's like, I don't know, maybe we, that weren't, sounds fun, we, maybe we weren't playing it. Diplomacy cricket. games are fun, but it, it just took it, but it took, <laughs> we played all day on a Saturday didn't finish, and I had to like get everyone to agree to come back to my house the next day on Sunday and finish it. Okay, was so it, it fun,
2: though? Was it fun?
0: Yes, it okay. was fun.
2: See, now what you have to do is you have to get it with my buddy, Jay, who plays, like, Third Reich. But literally, these games, they play on a Saturday, okay, usually for 8 to 12 hours on a Saturday. So these
0: are, doing, like, these are like war games. Yes.
2: Okay. And then they will do this for the next 6 to 8 months. Yeah. So these games take them months to play 8, 10, 12-hour sessions per play.
0: Yeah.
2: So, so, you're so talking forward. about talking about dedication, yeah, the board just stays there. They, they Depending on where they're at, they used to count up all their counters and put them off on other pieces of paper and stuff and collapse like the game. Kramer and Newman with the risk game? Yes. And other times they were at a place, like when they played at my buddy's house, <laughs> they would leave the board set up, cover it up, and then reveal it and keep playing. But they'd still take notes in case. Yeah. Of wow. you know bad board bumps stuff. Take a so picture. Of you it. want to talk about long epic play? That's long yeah, epic play. Well,
0: that's wargaming. That's like beyond any capacity I have for a game. Uh, that's got I some, like diplomacy that's games got some though. Those are okay. Bone. I think all the, the the things you were talking about negotiating that that part that, that can be fun. Well, I didn't say it wasn't fun, but it makes it long. It's like again, it's just like. I was mentioning Through the Ages, which coincidentally is my game from 2006. So I'm not a good gonna, segue. I'm not going to talk about it a ton because I already talked about it earlier. It's a really fun strategy game. Everyone should play it. But yeah, I mean, these are event games that you have to schedule a day just to play that game. And I guess for me, I'd rather schedule a day and play the games I haven't played yet. I
2: don't know. I'd rather play an epic game like that than 32 Ultimate Werewolves, 3 Resistances, 4 Spy Falls... And three code names.
0: <laughs> that was very specific. <laughs> it's an
1: interesting point, though. One long epic game versus multiple short, quick games. Yes. If given, it's the same amount of time for both options. Tim would choose. I would the choose long the epic, epic game. game.
2: I, I I enjoy the epic strategy games.
0: Okay, so let's say Twilight Imperium three or Puerto Rico. Roll for the Galaxy, Five Tribes,
2: Kalos. Well, I, I would take Twilight, of course, because we we don't play it. So that'd be my, my opportunity to actually but play I would it. take I would take the other.
1: The four yeah, the short four. games. So, those aren't short games though. Those well, are medium games. <laughs> short compared to yeah. Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I'm I'm trying to use strategy games because the yeah. as far as like the strategy level, those are kind of equivalent. Yeah, right, but yeah. It's interesting that Tim's answer was consistent. Yeah. He was choosing Twilight both times. But the reason wasn't there's a weird reason like let's say we we so, so say we play it all the time it's because yeah. it's
1: because he hasn't played so, it in a while yeah. Yeah.
2: so say we play it all the time and I could either play one game of Twilight Imperium which I, I can't really get a good gauge on how much I like the game right having only played it a few times um, versus playing like a Lords of Waterdeep followed by a Kalis followed by mm-hmm.
0: yeah pick four strategy games or, yeah. or something
2: <laughs> yeah I guess it would depend on the day. I mean, there would be some days I'd definitely pick the threesome game, mm-hmm. but then there's other days. You know, sometimes just that epic battle is kind of it's kind of fun. You get a chance to construct your army build. I, I'm a big, I guess you know, like the legacy thing kind of fits into my genre thing because I I love things where you know you play the game and then the next game you've got changes. So it's one of the reasons I love Blood Bowl. Yeah, is you you play that first game and then you can get character prints. So all of a sudden now your quarterback maybe gained a point of dexterity so the next game he's much better yeah or your guys get so it's, it's that kind of improvement it's the role-playing game thing yeah. your character's better the next session yeah. you play with them so it's like that i, I like
1: those things too
2: so I, I i guess those bigger games get you that opportunity to start and build up and you know build uh this big so army question about stuff. twilight imperium then so i've never played it so
1: is there a, i know the games take a long time but are you waiting around a
0: lot for other people to do stuff? Well, you can if people are, you know. Even if you're not doing the diplomacy, though, it is this guy takes his whole turn? But do I have something to do while if your you're being turns, attacked, you
2: would. But you know, if you're not being attacked, then you're probably sitting there waiting for your turn to okay, come around. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> but, I This can be with most games, right? I mean, anytime there's something like that where someone's taking some kind of turn like that, unless you're involved in some kind of attack or battle, he'd be like,
0: I can't you know, imagine.
2: Imagine. Cyclades, but you're waiting around forever because everybody's taking their turn. What game? <laughs> it's
1: like, oh, Cyclades. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. So I mean, imagine that, but you know, you're not being attacked, you know, and the guy takes you know 30 minutes to take his turn. The, All of a sudden, you're happen happen
1: that, that game. game. That's why that game is great. There's really only so much you can do. Yeah. After you've done your bidding, because of your bidding, you already know what your move is going to be for sure. that turn. That thing moves right along. Yeah,
2: that,
0: that, that is one of the factors that helps a move, for sure. So speaking of Cyclades... <laughs> Would you say that's a cutthroat game or a Kingmaker game? Should we. Ooh. Are we going to Table Talk? Maybe we should discuss that in our next segment Table Talk. Table Talk. You're listening
2: to the Dice Tower Network, the home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Ryan Graham. Find out more at
0: DiceTowerNetwork.com. So, Table Talk. Multiple times over the past two years of this podcast, or year and a half, or whatever it is, Chris has mentioned the terms cutthroat versus kingmaker, and I've just played along acting like I knew what he meant. (laughs) (laughs) So I figured we should probably clarify and discuss what this means. So Chris, why don't you kick it off with some definitions and a little history? Sure. So cutthroat versus kingmaker, this is a concept
1: that... It's in the more serious games. It's not in the lighter games. Just to define the two terms, cutthroat, that's a mechanic that prevents the leader from running away with the game by giving the players a chance to bring the leader back down to earth. So just to use Settlers of Catan as an example, because Catan is a game, it's like a common denominator of a game that most people have played. The robber is a cutthroat element of this game. It allows you to if somebody's sort of running away with it, you can see the victory points that are exposed and kind of tell who's in head. And you can put the robber on these guys who are out in head in order to give everybody else a chance to catch up. That's an example of cutthroat. Okay. So you're, you're you're basically allowing the game to extend longer and keep the leader reined in. Kingmaker, it's a mechanic that gives a player who's losing the game, player who's out, a chance to decide the winner i.e. kingmaker. So because they can either go after a player in one way or do something in the game to mess with somebody's strategy by maybe bidding on something that one of the players that's in the running needs in order to determine the outcome, that would be kingmaker. Now, there's an asterisk next to the kingmaker, there's an element of gaming which is similar to Kingmaker, but is much more legitimate. Because being a Kingmaker is a negative term. I mean, we've heard this term used in our group, or actually it was in Warlight. You know, James would use this term in a negative, You're being a Kingmaker. Right. It is a bad thing to be labeled a Kingmaker because it basically means the game is an asterisk game because somebody else that wasn't in the running determined the winner. And so it's a negative, whereas Cutthroat is more of a positive thing in the sense that you know, if somebody is running away with it, it doesn't make sense for the group to bring him back in so everybody else has a chance. That's a positive thing. But uh, what I was getting back to with the Kingmaker, there, there's another aspect of gaming which is similar to Kingmaker. But I think, in my opinion, it's different. And that is, if somebody goes after you in a game for no reason and causes in-game bad blood okay. and you later retaliate, them because of what they did to you earlier in the game and that helps determine the winner that's not the same as being a kingmaker because you're not doing it for the purposes of randomness or to just because you like one person over another person there's an in-game
0: reason for why you're doing it okay so here's where i need clarification back to your settlers of catan example also known as settlers of catan <laughs> if you're in chicago <laughs> can't you be a kingmaker in
1: that scenario too? Yes,
0: so what- you can.
1: The robber example I used is an example, uh, example of the cutthroat nature of the game. I think that's why the robber is in the game. You can use it as a kingmaker. If if I'm out of the game and I draw the card or um, the the number comes up as seven or or whatever, where I can use the robber and I don't use it in a place that's logical. I, in other words, you know, we've got two people who are kind of in the running for the lead and I, deliberately put the robber in their territory in order to prevent them from doing well. That's a kingmaker move. You're right. You can do that, which is an interesting point of the kingmaker versus cutthroat aspect. And that is, as we were going through notes for this podcast, and I was was thinking heavily about this concept, it occurred to me that being a kingmaker and and cutthroat, it's it's less of a game mechanic and more of a player mechanic. In other words, it's how the players are playing right. the game.
2: Yeah, because the same mechanic can be used to do either.
1: It can be. There are some games where it's more difficult to do that. But, and another example is Alien Frontiers, where, Tim, you are not in this yeah. game, and you, were, you had an opportunity to be a kingmaker. Right. And, but you realized you're not in this game, and yet it seems like it's a good game for the players that are still alive. So you kind of stayed out yep. where you didn't have to do that. No, no, I didn't. you could yep. have decided the winner or at least influenced it. Yep. That's bad, and I think that's that's looked at as a negative thing to do. And you did the right thing, and I think that's that's just kind of a house rule or un, even unwritten rule where you shouldn't you should avoid that if possible.
0: So okay, so talking about Kingmaker, this is maybe more of just a Kingmaker question than Cutthroat versus Kingmaker. So I'm in a game right now of Through the Ages online with my friends uh, Brian and Aaron. It's a three-player game. I'm losing. Okay, so if I do anything, they're like neck and neck. But there's this element in that game of military where uh, if someone has a weak military, then you can exploit that and attack them and you know take stuff from them or whatever. So I'm going after the guy that has a weak military. Are you out of the game? I don't know. What's the timeline in the game? Well, Is it possible to make a comeback? That's the th- And this, this gets to my question. At what point is it kingmaking versus just trying to, to come back? Well, based on your description, you're
1: in a kingmaker role. But I don't know the game. If, if you have a chance to, to
0: win, well, like a legitimate chance. I don't know if I have a chance to win, but I could. Then, I could you sh- then you shouldn't do it. But I could get second. Why wouldn't I want to get second? Because there's only. Win- second's just the first loser.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I agree with Tim you you need to let it 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 ruins the game for the players that are legitimately in it but
0: i'm in it too if i can get second place no you're not not if you can't if can you win the game
2: no consolation trophies (laughs) yeah (laughs) there is no trophy (laughs) for second second place
0: place. i mean
1: i don't i don't know this game but like if you're playing uh uh or alien frontiers who cares who comes in second it's did you win the game or not Hmm. nobody remembers who comes in second
0: well, it's not about that. It's about how well did you do in the game. Well, it seems like you didn't do well overall in, in the in this game,
1: particular game. It's your. But done. you're
0: judging the game on the first half of the game. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't know. Well, this how could, much longer it doesn't. Well, there's. I mean, there's multiple turns left.
2: I mean, if, the, if there's there's still a good possibility that you can actually do something and come back. Then so yes. let's
0: say it was the last turn of the game, and they were neck and neck. Then you I wouldn't do anything. Right. But we're like two thirds of the way through the game. I don't know what could happen if I if I start making a comeback and attacking one of them. I'm not just going to not play the game for multiple turns just because Is I don't there something think I you can, can get do first. to benefit yourself without going after them. Yeah, I'm doing that too. But the the military thing, it's like it's stupid not to do it if you can cuz you build up a lot it takes a lot of effort to build up your military. So if you see someone with a weak military, you can you can essentially do things where you're, you're basically trading points with them.
1: If I didn't think I had a chance to win, I wouldn't do it. Okay. Because it's not fair to the people who are competing to win. Okay. You're deciding the winner. Then. So,
0: Okay, so back to cutthroat
1: versus kingmaker. So an example of cutthroat, obviously, would be if you, if you and another player were low and somebody else was running away, you're both going to not go after each other. You're going to go after whoever's in the lead. So it's just an unspoken thing that that's what you do. Otherwise, how are you going to say
2: this guy's military was still horrible, but both of you were doing horrible compared to the other guy. Why would you attack the guy with the poor military when you both should be ganging up on the guy that's in the lead? Right. Okay. So that'd be kind of the,
1: you know, this is an interesting thing now that we're talking this out. I think you struggle with this. With what? With this concept of Kingmaker and Cutthroat because you don't, it's, it's sort of the aspect of some ask, some, something is dictating to you what you need to do <laughs> or influencing you
0: from your strategy. It, well, it's coming from the
1: outside, even if it's not a person, if it's a concept.
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't know that that's really it, though. I'm just, I always try to do the best I can in the game. So I'm not thinking about this. That's why it's a
1: problem, because it, there are times when you, you owe it to everybody playing to, to be cutthroat. I, I've seen this in Kalis, where you know if somebody's going out in the lead, they're bidding on those the golden tiles toward the end. That's when you jack them with the provost. They're the leader and they're getting greedy. That's kind of what the provost is meant for. But if there's you know, let's say that um, like you're in last place and you're grabbing it, it doesn't make any sense for somebody to jack you. Mm-hmm. If if you're you know, I have other things I could do on my turn. That's being cutthroat is not. Wailing on somebody who's toward the the rear, but if like Tim was winning the game and he was doing it, one of us has to do it. Like we we owe it to each other to like talk talk that through. You know, maybe I'll use the provost and then you'll use some of your coins to move the provost, so that we're kind of equally going after the leader. That's just you. That's why that element is in the game.
0: So okay, I, I guess what I'm struggling with though is you're. How do we define which games are... Because you usually say that games are cutthroat or kingmaker. It sounds to me, though, like... Some games don't have that in them, and some games do. Okay. But it, you're right.
1: It is it is more the people and the decisions the players are making. An example of a game that doesn't have it is Seven Wonders. There's no coordinated effort to take somebody down in that game. You're, you're basically you're working on your own structure. Right. You are drafting, and if I see somebody going for science, I could take the science cards, but I don't know that they're going to win. I mean... There's no tracker of victory points that's public. It's hard to tell where other people are going. Seven Wonders is more of an individual game. So there's really no cutthroat or kingmaker element there. Mm-hmm. But in some of the other games we mentioned, Alien Frontiers is a good example, you can take away somebody's colony deliberately, you know, or you go for somebody else's or go for a neutral. The take decisions the cards, you make their resources. You can take cards and resources, that's another one. Somebody is the leader like if i if i bid or not bid if i work or place on that spot where it's the straight and i that means i can take something from somebody it makes no sense to take resources from somebody in last place because
0: unless it, they're the only one that has the resources it's still need. what you do is you go after
1: either tim because he's probably gonna win and that, that's what tim hates by the way but no <laughs> but if somebody is the clear leader and you can see based on the rocket ships where their victory points are, if it's close, then you know you're right go after the resources you want or if there's a card you want go after that card. but if there's a clear leader, it's sort of an unspoken thing that that's who you're jacking
0: so I think the only games that you can truly you truly would even know for sure if you're king making would be games where all the information is visible or a high percentages yeah so like alien frontiers everything's visible mm-hmm. it's all on the table you know exactly where the points are but some games, like even the game I'm in now, there's hidden scoring at the end. So you don't really even know who's actually winning because like these cards come up in the game and you secretly put them in the score pile and they're like objectives that everyone, whoever has the highest military will get such and such points at the end. So I know I put that card in there, but no one else knows it's in there. So I'm secretly going for high military because I know that will give me points at the end. They know that that card exists somewhere in the deck, but it may not be in the scoring pile. And everyone's playing cards like that, so there's a lot of like hidden scoring at the end. The other thing I would say is I don't think it's king making if you do it equally to like if I equally if I attack this guy one turn, even though I'm losing, the next turn I attack another guy. Yeah. I don't think that's king making. No, that's not right. king making. But if I was just like, you know what, Brian, I just want to attack Aaron the whole game, so let's just team up on him so you win and he doesn't. To me, that's king making. That's king making right. sure. making. And there there's a there's an element in some games
1: that Deals with that in a very elegant way, and that is something that our friend Greg hates the dual win. Yeah, right. Like, right. An, is it Cosmic Encounter? You can get a dual win, yeah. And yep. Illuminati is Illuminati. another one. So, what you can do is instead of being a kingmaker, you're what you're doing is you're, you're making a deal with somebody like, Look, let's do X, Y, and Z, and then we'll we'll dual win. Otherwise, I'm, I'm gonna have to go after you in this way or this way, right? And I remember that one Cosmic Encounter game that lasted forever. Oh, yeah. I was making dual win deal. Everybody was trying to do that because it became difficult to figure out who was going to win. And dual win was like the only way that you could make it happen. So I think dual wins is a good mechanic for getting around the kingmaker problem.
2: It's almost a kingmaker though too because now, because I remember there was that one game and pretty much three people offered the dual win to somebody. And it's kind of like whoever he wanted to accept was getting the win. Well, whoever had
1: the most to offer though. But because
2: it's win. not it what there was never
1: offer? like I made there was a deal I made with Jay to we were gonna dual win. And and we we both had the cards, we thought we had it, but then somebody else was able to stop it. Yeah. If somebody else came along to Jay and offered him the dual win, but he had better cards than I did, yeah, then Jay would have taken that deal. Because yeah. now there's
0: a there's a better chance. So you, you pair with the person who's gonna bring right. it home. So is can a game only be cutthroat if there's multiple people vying for the victory because the way you're describing cutthroat is like there's a clear person the lead so everyone kind of gangs up on them so if there's two people vying for the lead are the other two people kingmakers for going after one of them and not the other so are you doing like if there's four players yeah let's say there's a four-player game and you and tim are kind of vying for the lead and and me and chris johnson are behind do we both now have to not attack either one of you either that or you attack us equally like one of one of you goes after 10 one of you goes after me all right see this is where it gets stupid to me cuz it's making the game not fun at all for for everyone the, it's like okay i just I, have to i, I, knew this was be I just an have issue. to give up now because i'm not doing well i don't i don't i don't think i can win so i just have to give up and not. it you don't have fun. like that
1: you no. don't you don't like having Because a game you're supposed to play to win the game well but i'm assuming in this example you're out well how do you determine that though it depends on the game okay. like in a cosmic encounter you can like, the, Tim knew he was out. Yeah. I mean, uh, Alien Frontiers. Alien Frontiers. He knew he was out.
0: Didn't Tim win that game? No. no. Oh, this no. was
2: the game where you, Dave, and I were all vying. To I win. was out. Of I thought it Tim so ended up winning that. No, game. I couldn't. I couldn't roll. Okay. Squat. I couldn't even get a it, double. You, I was out. That
0: is the caveat: is you know you're out. So if you're not sure you're out, if you're not sure you're out, try to win the yeah, game. Yeah, you should try to win. So here's the problem, though. I might not. I might not think I'm out, but let's say you're in the lead and you think I am out, and then I come after you. So you're going to think I'm a kingmaker, and I'm going to think I wasn't.
1: You probably should explain, like maybe lay all the cards on the table after the game. This is
2: why. That's um, when we have another epic blowout.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> we haven't really had an epic blowout. No, no, kingmaking. I'm just joking. But, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, because you don't want to choose the winner. You should. The game should choose the winner. Dave the is the people, kingmaker,
2: by the way. Dave, he's Dave. He is does the that. kingmaker.
1: <laughs> if if there was a kingmaker in our group, it yes, would be it Dave. Is Dave. But the difference between Dave and Ryan, Dave isn't doing king making because he doesn't want to be influenced by outer forces. Where that w- that would be your reason. Dave's reason
2: is he, he enjoys the controversy yeah, of doing right. it. Yep, yep.
1: which is sick and twisted.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like when we were about to win in Battlestar Galactica against the Cylons, and then he converts me to a Cylon so I can lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's like that's the un-king maker.
1: right? Right. He's dragging you down. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's an interesting topic because everybody plays games differently, but everybody's playing to win. And there's something that you have to respect about the decision of the winner. And if it's between two people who are vying for it, and you're out of it, you, it's it's just bad form to
0: do things that make that decision. I think it's. I think the hard thing, the hard thing is knowing when you're out of it. I think. Yeah, that's I mean, the sometimes it's
2: going to be kind of on the the blurry line where you don't know if you are. Yeah. Or not. Like that that Alien Frontiers game. I, I knew I was out. I knew I had no chance, and I wasn't going to mess with any of you guys because I didn't want to mess up your games. Right. So I just kind of just did whatever. That's
0: and... an easy one to know because you know everything. Yeah. But like Lords of Waterdeep, I'm I don't know, for example, how many quests Tim has completed that matches right. Secret. But Lords
1: of Waterdeep, there isn't a strong mechanic to go after people. There are the cards that you can play that hurt some people more than others, but yeah. Yeah. but that's not that's
0: usually not something you're forcibly doing. The only thing you can do is you could look at the quests you're trying to complete and take those spots. Like everyone could could block their spots. That's that what people yeah. should do
1: in that game yeah. when there's a clear leader, which you can kind of see, and that's where we failed. The one game that you won at the end we should have seen you had the quest i mean it's face up
2: yeah you right. can see
1: the points that you're about to get we can see your resources yeah the cutthroat thing to do would be for somebody to stop you from doing that yeah. because there's no way you're not going to win if you complete that right right and we didn't do that and i think that's 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 like a failure but uh, War, lords of waterdeep is one it's a good game in the sense that there really isn't a strong kingmaker aspect
0: i think the more hidden information there is the less yeah. the less chance you have of knowing if you're kingmaking yeah.
2: yeah, even like Kalos, I mean, is a lot of that up ground. I guess that's yeah. kind of all known. Yeah, too, it, isn't it?
1: there, there is. You, you can, you can see, you can kind of see what's happening in the big picture. Yeah, because the victory points, you, you got the, you can see the castle, you can see the resources that people have, the money. Right. It's all public knowledge. It's all Public. But if it's close, if it's even close, then you shouldn't. There's no issues with king making then, yeah. and there's no responsibility for cutthroat either if it's all close. But sometimes you can kind of see people uh, opening up a lead. And the one game, this is a close call, where I was accusing you of being a kingmaker with Dave because I knew I had a shot at him. Mm-hmm. But you were, like, bent on your strategy. But it was borderline. It wasn't, there was nothing obvious. And plus, you you didn't know what I had. And so, I don't know, you're right. I think
0: it's got to be obvious. Yeah. And if it's not obvious, try to win. So what should, uh, so back to my two-and-two two scenario. Like, what should the players that are Okay, so your assumption is that you know you're out of the game. Well, there's two scenarios with the two and two. One is
1: the two players behind are, are possibly in the game. Okay. In which case, they're obligated to go after the leaders.
0: How do they do that equally, though? They, they, have, to,
1: they have to work together okay. and say, you know, we need, to go, we need to bring them down. This is a problem. And, we, you know, the, the two leaders are probably snipping at each other. So if these two start snipping at the leaders, they're going to come down. Okay. If they're both out of it, then you have to be careful what you do. You you have to either do nothing or coordinate. I'm going to go after Tim. You're going to go after Dave, so that you're not deciding the winner.
0: Again, knowing if you're out of it, that's the hardest thing. I think. Yeah, but
1: but if you're not out of it, you you're obligated to to do cutthroat. Then
0: this is where a long game becomes a problem too. Because if you're out of it in a long game, let's say, let's say we're playing Twilight Imperium three, and I was out of it. And then we had 14 hours left in the game. That would be horrible. That'd yeah. be the
2: worst first turn ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's is, right. there, is
0: there a way in that game to like, concede? Actually, I don't know. Actually, that's a good point. And through the ages, the game I'm on, I in now, you actually can concede. And maybe that's the reason they put that in. Because it is a long game and you're allowed to concede. But even then, by conceding, you could be king-making. Because if I'm conceding the game, it could... There could have been someone that was competing with me for something, and now I'm not competing anymore with them. Right. So that could even be considered kingmaking. Yeah. So got to be careful with the kingmaking. <laughs> like, the worst example I've ever seen of kingmaking, and I had to, like, tell the guy not to do it because he was kind of a new gamer. So we had a game day at my house. We were playing Terra Mystica. And in that game, you like, you're trying to terraform land around you so that you're got, you can expand onto that land. And, and this guy had no chance of winning. And what he tried to do on his turn was terraform the land next to him so that it matched one of the leaders, one of the two leaders, so that they could expand into it. And he's like, oh, I'll just terraform for this, for Brian, so that he can win. And I'm like, dude, you can't do that. That's king making." He, like, didn't even understand what I meant. And then we all, even Brian, the guy he was doing for, is like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Like, you should just just do whatever's best for you on your turn. You shouldn't like choose the leader like that. So that that was like a horrible case of king making, where he wasn't even doing anything that benefited him at all. He was spe- he was only doing something to benefit one of the two leaders, right. so that they would get yeah, an edge. that makes no sense because
2: that's textbook king making. Yeah, you're, you're choosing who's getting the benefit from it. Yeah,
0: and you know what fixes that problem?
2: Until it wins.
0: Yeah, if it
1: gives him a chance to be in the game, even though he's out of it. So you can make a deal with the one
2: guy you wanted to help. Dual, dual, dual wins are kind of foofy.
1: They're a little bit, but here's what happens. The leader guy's like, I think I can win on my own. Yeah. And then he'll say no and then go for it. But then if he doesn't think he can win on his own, he's willing to think about it. If you're toward the, the rear in the game and there's a chance for dual wins, you're not out of it then. It's true. Because you can be like a a pawn for one of the leaders, but have just as much of a win. So that's... That's why dual wins are not always bad. So to
0: summarize, cutthroat is when the people who are behind work together to take down the leader. Mm-hmm. Or just to bring him backward a little bit. Kingmaker is when the people who are behind and have no chance take out one of the leaders. And decide the leader. It's just like he creates a land
2: that benefits the one leader, he which totally the messes the yeah. other leader up and tips the scales in that guy's favor.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I I can't say I disagree with those definitions I I, I didn't understand what cutthroat meant before I kind of get it now do you agree that it makes
1: sense to do in a game though
0: well I don't agree I don't think it's fun that's the only problem I have if you're giving up on a game halfway through it just because you don't think you have a chance of winning then that game is no longer fun so you're either going to keep having fun or you're going to ruin someone else's fun I guess that's what it comes down to. So, what's, which <laughs> one's better to do? Well, the selfish one or the
1: selfish?
2: one? I don't know. You I guess know, you're talking only halfway through a game. If you're already halfway through a game, you, you can't call yourself out of it. If you know we're in the last turn of the Lords of Waterdeep, and you're you can see by the track you're behind by 50 points, you have no chance of winning. Then you know why block the the wizard that you know Chris needs that you don't need. Simply to prevent him from getting it and causing him to lose the game. Mm -hmm. That's you know that's what if if we're halfway through the game, you're you're not out of it. Here's here's what
1: Ryan's might do though. He might be thinking, well, I need that wizard to complete my last quest. I've got this quest card I've been working on, and even though I'm out of it, I I, want to get that purple. But the problem is what Tim said. If I'm like one in the running of the game, and you have no chance of winning, you need to not.
0: Well, I don't think I'd interfere. do this to be honest, but uh, I don't think I would deliberately do it. I'm, I'm curious if you think it's kingmaking. I guess by definition it is if you do it unintentionally. If it's pointed
1: out to you and you do it anyway, then it's kingmaking. Okay.
0: What if it's unintentional? No, well, it's it's still it's, kingmaking it's still but kingmaking. it's accidental
1: kingmaking. But it wasn't intentional. Right. <laughs> right. It's not as
0: it's not as violent of an offense. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes I'm oblivious that I would be sometimes oblivious that I was actually screwing up someone's win. You know
1: we should we should talk about it in a future podcast. Is the dual win? The dual topic. win. It's
2: controversial. It is extremely controversial.
0: Did you like diplomacy when we played that? Because that had a dual win thing. I was eliminated very early in that game. Okay.
1: I was ganged up on by a couple of people who were friends in real life, <laughs> and it, it was it was like I was out. So.
0: I never attacked you in that game.
1: Well, I wasn't around much. So.
0: My colleague did though.
1: Yeah. I must have thought you looked squirrely looking. Yeah, it's, I wasn't a fan of that. This wasn't my thing.
0: So, any, uh, any other final thoughts on uh, Cutthroat versus Kingmaker? No. I
1: it's good to we be cover the king.
0: Cover it's covered. It's, it's good, good to, to be the king. Well, apparently not. Well, I guess that wraps up episode 21. Of out of stuff. Game. Once again, you can find us on out of You can go to BGG Guild 1990. You can get there from our webpage. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at
2: O-O-G Podcast.
0: You can email us at gamepodcast.com. You can send us a voicemail. Uh, at what? Outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. There we go. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 40OOG80. And for more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, of which we are affiliated, you can go to Dicetowernetwork.com. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night. Good night. So, the air conditioner just turned it's off not in the here. Air conditioner, it's what a was heater. that? It was the heater.
2: heater. So it's like a white noisemaker. So,
0: yeah, it's going to be a lot less loud, apparently, in the background. I didn't even notice that thing was on. Mm. It's pretty annoying, actually. Stupid heater. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, heat. It was also a teaching game. Go ahead, just keep talking. What?
1: You had, you had something. Is you it mean. gone? <laughs> yes, it's gone. It, it just was like a crumb.
0: Okay. <laughs> You, you have to, to stop, stop it talking. We can edit it out. Okay. I've got it's sheer luck. Oh, this is before Sherlock Holmes was a... Uh, that's cool. Uh, what's it called when the copyright laws expire?
1: Statute of Limitations. I think that's when you kill oh, someone <laughs> and... <laughs> that's for a crime.
0: Uh, so anyway, I have sheer luck Holmes. You know it's time for? Uh-oh.
1: Bake it till we make it. <laughs>
0: It's weird when you say it because I don't know what to do.